I'm Jared Root with Red Eagle Ranch in Argyle, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Terry Martin. Hello Texas, Christmas is over and we've got another week rolling. And that means I've got another episode ready to go of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, while that freeze is behind us, the question now becomes how much damage was done to the nation's wheat crop? One thing is for sure, we were not in very good condition going into that freeze last week, so we'll have to wait and see how the wheat crop handled it, especially with the fact that there was very little snow cover from Kansas down to Texas. We'll have that story coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. It's called succession planning and it's a big challenge for many in agriculture. I'm James Hunt and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll hear how a family of cattle producers in the Texas High Plains is handling succession. The benefits of technological advances in cotton. I'm Tom Nicoletti. I'm Texas Ag Today. I'll have comments from a Central Texas farmer whose cotton yields have increased tremendously. Central and East Texas have seen record low temperatures. Many may be concerned about whether their warm season forages would survive severe winter weather. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Temperatures are now headed back higher following a seriously cold Arctic blast across Texas. So the question now becomes how much, if any, winter kill will we see to the winter wheat crop? USDA Chief Economist Seth Meyer says much of the nation's wheat crop went into dormancy in poor shape, making it more vulnerable to wind and cold. We went into dormancy of our winter wheat crop with the worst conditions that we've seen. And normally we don't tie a strong correlation between condition in which the wheat enters dormancy and the condition in which the wheat emerges dormancy. But I think this is the year we'll test that because it was in really poor condition given drought conditions in the West. One big concern was the lack of snow cover during those very low temperatures. There was practically no snow from central Kansas all the way down here to Texas. Government officials from Mexico have offered the White House a possible compromise on the impending ban on genetically modified corn imports. One proposed change would delay the implementation of the ban until January of 2025. Another pledge would exempt imports of feed corn from any restrictions. Mexico would allow white genetically modified corn to enter the country, but it may not be used by food companies to make food products. 
With interest rates on the rise, financing will become more of a challenge in 2023. In response to that, BASF is streamlining their financing program. BASF's Matt Malone. Yeah, so BASF has, has long since offered a 0% financing offer, not unlike a lot of the other basic manufacturers in the industry today. What really has changed about our financing offer is the environment in which we're offering it. I don't think it's a surprise to anyone that the interest rates have been rapidly on the rise since last March, to the point where our estimation is that the average farm operating note is going to double in cost for the 2023 season. The financing offer that we offer is as simple as it can be, a 0% financing offer for as little as a $5,000 purchase of any BASF product, whether it be our crop protection, seed, or seed treatment, all on terms that are due next December after the crop is harvested. So Matt, what makes this financing program different from other companies? What really separates our offer this year is the fact that we maintain our 0% position and that we continue to have almost no hoops to jump through. A lot of our competitors have continued to add hurdles and hoops to try to make it a little bit more difficult or to ask a little bit more of the farmer. Our goal is to have as seamless and connected an experience with our farmers as they go to buy our products with our channel partners. Matt Malone, Liberty Product Manager for BASF. Passing the farm or ranch down to the next generation can be a difficult task. James Hunt talks with one Texas ranch family about their succession plan. A big challenge for many producers is succession planning. How to keep the family business going, your farm, your ranch, whatever operation you have, how to keep it going after you stop running things. For the Olson family, making a living in agriculture has now extended to a sixth generation. Representing the fourth generation is Steve Olson, the owner and operator of Olson Land and Cattle in Hereford. When it comes to his family's approach to succession, Steve Olson describes it this way. The point that my dad made for me was he gave me ownership at a young age in certain parts of the business. And I tried to do that with my children and grandchildren. They own part of it. They own some of the cows. They have their own. We have three grown children. They all have their own operation. They don't work just for me. Olson says in the course of doing business with one another, the members of the Olson family will even send each other invoices. The point being, each family member has a unique ownership stake. And I think that ownership of animals creates responsibility and a care that goes beyond just being a person that just works for that entity. And so that caring that they have for it and that pride of ownership is what carries on to wanting to be a part of the next generation. Giving the children ownership instead of just giving them chores, an approach that has the Olson family on track for a seventh generation. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas cotton farmers play a vital role in developing the next generation of cotton varieties. Tom Nicoletti has the story. My guest today is Ed Scamardo. He is a cotton farmer from Central Texas. And Ed, you have been a new product evaluator grower for Delta Pines uh, program for the duration of its program, 15 years. And that is growing varieties of cotton and interacting with Delta Pine and giving them feedback on what you've grown and why it's been beneficial to your agricultural operation. Why have you uh, stayed with this program so long and how has it benefited you? 
the reason why I've been in this program is because they give you the seed and the varieties and you get to grow it on your own farm, at your own practice. The great part about it is that you can get to see how it operates on your farm. You maintain it the same the way you do it and they, let, they give you free range to farm it just like you, you want to farm it. Year to year, over those 15 years, of course, the technology continues to change. So uh, as it changes, you have a different variety, a different look on your farm. That's the great part about it, because you get to see the new stuff that they're coming down their pipeline. You get to see it on your farm, and you get to see it under your watering conditions, under your weather conditions. So you don't have to rely on other people in other areas. You can actually see the whole picture on your own farm. And how has this program benefited you from a yield standpoint over the years? Tremendously. The varieties that have worked in our areas and our plots, the increase is really tremendous. That is Central Texas cotton farmer Ed Scamardo, who produced 2,250 pounds per acre and received a high yield award from Delta Pine for the largest NPE yield in Texas for the class of 23 cotton varieties. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Central and East Texas saw record low temperatures last week. Forage specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson looks at how that cold will affect summer pastures. As a warm season grass, Bermuda grass can be sensitive to winter damage despite dramatic genetic improvement to cold tolerance. Winter kill can be caused by a combination of factors. Winter kill is dependent on moisture, low temperature, and the duration of low temperatures. Low temperatures can be damaging when it occurs late in the winter or early spring and lasts up to a week to 10 days. Areas most susceptible to winter kill include north-facing slopes, heavily shaded areas, poorly drained areas, areas planted with poorly adapted cultivars, areas heavily trafficked during winter, areas of substantial soil compaction, areas that were newly sprigged or seeded last summer, and locations with deficient levels of soil potassium. To reduce the risk of winter kill, it is critical to follow best management practices during the growing season. Those practices would include maintaining appropriate soil fertility, especially potassium levels for Bermuda grass. Potassium is essential in plants to combat diseases, aid in water use, and for winter hardiness. Deficiencies of potassium can cause both yield losses and stand losses. Bermuda grass is especially sensitive to potassium deficiencies. Maintaining some substantial Bermuda grass stubble height going into winter can be beneficial for the future growing season. Higher stubble height means more substantial root structure to capture deeper soil moisture and nutrients. Maintaining a higher stubble height generally results in increased loading of rhizomes reserves and increases canopy insulation of crowns during the winter. Using best management practices that encourage healthy stands, better nutrient utilization along with grazing management, and hay production practices that extend the longevity of the stand is the producer's best line of defense. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. U.S. Fish and Wildlife is dedicating additional resources to pollinator conservation. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And there are some toxins or poisons that are more common this time of year for small animals. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There are some toxins or poisons that are more common this time of year for small animals. Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at some of those poisons. Antifreeze is always number one on this list. Antifreeze is sweet tasting, so it encourages animals to ingest it, and it is extremely deadly by causing severe kidney failure. For this reason, it is incredibly important to make sure that you clean up all antifreeze spills, as even a few drops could be toxic to a small pet by licking it off the driveway. Alcohol is another toxin to pets that is common with the holidays, so giving your dog alcohol is not a good idea. Another more unusual toxin is avocado, as it can be toxic to rabbits and birds. So disposing of avocado in table scraps out in your yard could cause toxicity in these species. Certainly we have all heard of the toxicity of chocolate in dogs, but even though most people know that chocolate is poisonous, we still see lots of chocolate toxicity every year. Always lock chocolate in a cabinet that cannot be opened by your dogs and never leave any chocolate on your kitchen counters or coffee tables, as these are the locations that lead to most of the exposures. Quite a few folks have compost piles these days, and the material heats up and causes penicillium moles to grow, and these moles produce tremorogenic mycotoxins. These mycotoxins can lead to body tremors, nervous system signs, and even aspiration pneumonia. Another unusual toxin to dogs is grapes and raisins. And although we do not know the mechanism, some dogs can develop kidney failure with ingestion. Other food toxins are macadamia nuts, walnuts, onion, garlic, chives, and leeks. Lastly, rat poison is commonly used this time of year, and all types are poisonous to dogs and cats. Some are more poisonous than others, but all can be deadly. So try to use another method of rodent control rather than poison. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is dedicating additional resources to pollinator conservation. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has launched a Center for Pollinator Conservation to address the decline of pollinator populations across North America. Fish and Wildlife announced its intention to create the center at the first-ever Monarch Butterfly Summit in June. The center will first start out as a virtual collaborative space and will later move into a physical hub. Fish and Wildlife says the Center for Pollinator Conservation will contribute science, provide decision support, and coordinate and share best practices with land managers. It will focus on three themes, highlighting the importance of pollinators, understanding and responding to threats to pollinators, and coordinating action to reverse pollinator declines. During the first year, the virtual center is expected to work toward several goals. They are conducting assessments on the current state of pollinator conservation and science across fish and wildlife, listening to agency program and other partners across the U.S. about how the center might function and what it might provide, and developing mid- and longer-term strategies for the center and its work. Overall, the center will work to amplify and add to the ongoing efforts to improve the state of pollinators in North America. 
Martha Williams, service director, said given the importance of pollinators to food security, opening the center will improve how they work as an agency, dedicate shared resources, and provide a space where they can engage and unite with others to conserve pollinators. Since 2015, U.S. Fish and Wildlife has dedicated more than $25 million to conserve pollinators like the American bumblebee, the monarch butterfly, and Allen's hummingbird. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Our agricultural markets did not trade on Monday thanks to the Christmas holiday, so we'll take a quick look back at how things wrapped up trading on Friday. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Higher cash fed cattle trade as well as a big jump in box beef prices. All combined to help move live cattle futures higher on Friday. We ended the week with December live cattle up a dollar, 156.90. February up 45, 157.75, while April live cattle were up 50 cents, 161.82. Feeder cattle finishing higher also. January feeders up 2 cents, 184 even. March feeder cattle up 30 at 186.75, while April broke above the 190 mark. It was up 35 cents to close at 190.25. Cash-fed cattle trade picked up on Friday, and we saw more money, $1 higher at $156, selling cattle here in Texas. Up north, dress cattle sold for mostly $249, that also a dollar higher than last week's average. Boxed beef prices on Friday took a big jump, choice up $674 at $271.95, select up $366, $245.47. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Phil Brockenbush sold cattle this time last week in Giddings. Phil, how was that last sale before the holiday? It was good, Larry. We wound up with 1142, had uh, 58 buyers and 227 sellers on a higher cow and bull market, and the calf market was steady, so it, it was good. Good. Walk the pins with us, please. All right, your steers, 300 and back average, 185, brought up to 247 and a half. Three to four weights, 201 to 247 and a half. Four to five weights, 179 to 227 and a half. Five to six weights, 163 to 210. Six to seven weights, 145 to 192 and a half. Seven to eight weights, 130 to 161. Your heifer mates. 300 and back average 176 brought up to 230 three to four weights 179 to 245 four to five weights 164 to 217 and a half five to six weights 154 to 205 six to seven weights 149 to 177 and a half your bully yearling seven to eight hundred and fifty pounds a dollar to a dollar sixty one eight hundred and fifty to a thousand pounds a dollar five to a dollar twenty one high yielding bulls 95 to 104 medium yielding bulls 75 to 88 high yielding cows 78 to 84 medium young cows 45 to 55 your little thin cows 20 to 40 sold a few bread cows brought up to 13 and a quarter and the pears brought up to 1200 there wasn't a whole lot to pick from right right it was good good Cow deal good deal oh. 
Well, it, it sounds like you had a good sale. How many noses did you count? 1142. Good. Well, when do y'all come back, Phil? We'll come back on January the 9th. All right. Well, we, we, we'd like to thank everybody. It's been a good year. Wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good. Same to y'all, and we'll talk with you when you get back. Good luck hunting. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Oh, you can call me at 979-716-4395 or call the barn at 979-542-2274. Neighbor, that's our Livestock Auction Market Report. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs dropped lower on Friday. February hogs down a dollar twenty-two, eighty-seven, eighty-two. April hogs down a dollar sixty-five at ninety-five, thirty-seven. Class three milk was mixed. December milk down two cents, twenty fifty-three a hundredweight. While January milk was up twenty-one cents, nineteen forty-six a hundred. The cotton market finishing higher on Friday after taking that limit down move Thursday. March cotton was up 91 points to end the week at 85.21. May cotton up 133 points, 85.18, while December was up 145 points to close at 82.52 cents. The corn market finished higher on Friday, ending up with a 13-cent gain for the week. The market was encouraged by the export sales report released Thursday morning, It showed the best weekly movement of corn shipments this season, but still well below year-ago levels. March corn up five and three quarters, 666 and a quarter. New crop September corn up one and three quarters at 616 and three quarters. Fear of winter kill from the Arctic blast continues to push wheat prices higher. March Kansas City wheat up eight and three quarters, 874 and three quarters. New crop July was up nine and a quarter, eight sixty-two a bushel. Even bigger gains in soft wheat. March Chicago wheat up thirteen and three quarters, seven seventy-six a bushel. While new crop July was up eleven and a half, seven eighty-six and a quarter. In the energy markets, January natural gas up eight cents on Friday, five oh seven. While February West Texas crude was up two oh seven, seventy-nine fifty-six a barrel. The financial markets finished slightly higher Friday. Dow Jones Industrial Average up 176 points, 33,203. The NASDAQ up 21 at 10,487. The S&P up 22, 3,884. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.